today we're going to be in Romans 14. Let me start with the text. Romans chapter 14, it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let the one who eats despise the one, let the one who eats, sorry, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes today observes in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now I know that doesn't even need to be preached because it's so straightforward. Amen? Amen. It's a marvelous text. And I'm going to show you just how marvelous and how beautiful the gospel is in it by a series of questions. You guys ready? You sure? You might not want to answer these out loud yet. Should a Christian drink alcohol? Don't, please don't answer yet. Should a Christian watch movies with nudity or profanity? Should a Christian get a tattoo? Should a Christian play the lottery? Should a Christian go to casinos? Should a Christian incorporate Santa into Christmas? Should a Christian celebrate Halloween? Should a Christian identify with a political party, and if so, which one? How should a Christian treat Sunday? These are questions that Paul is dealing with here that are serious, consequential questions. And what happens too often in the church is one of two things. Number one is we just don't deal with it. So we don't talk about it, because if we talk about it, we're going to get mad at each other about it, so we just let it go. The other option is go find a church with everyone who agrees with you. Do you know what you call a church with everyone who agrees with you and looks like you? You don't call it a church. So what do we do with these questions? And Paul says, let me show you. Let me show you how the devil loves these questions to sow division, disunity, sap a church of its power, lose the gospel. But let me show you how the gospel points, excuse me, how these questions and these, listen to me, differences in moral preferences point to the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me make it a little more practical. Paul's talking about food and days. Food and days. So a lot of ways this comes up in Rome, but imagine Ben. Ben came to faith in Christ from a Jewish background, and Jews were kosher. Well, Ben has freedom in Christ, and Ben goes, hey, ham and cheese is awesome! And he's eating ham and cheese and drinking milk, and 
Nehemiah, his friend who came to faith too from a Jewish background, goes, Benjamin, how can you eat the ham and cheese? I know we say by grace through faith, but you cannot do this. You will go, what? You're going to go to the pagan shrines before you know it. You can't slippery slope. <laughs> Benjamin says, Nehemiah, what is wrong with you? Legalists, legalists, rules, rules, rules. Eat the ham and cheese. You idiot. You're going to break under the pressure. No, you will break under the pressure. You will slip down the slope. No, you will. This, this is the conversations, right? We, we do. See, I get a week off. Anyone here have trouble with ham and cheese? Let's make it real. Let's say there's someone here who just donated a large sum of money to Joe Biden's potential presidential campaign. Let's say there's someone here who just donated a large sum of money to Donald Trump's re-election campaign. Let's say there's someone here who says, I ain't even voting, it's a mess. Shall we talk about this? <laughs> Paul's point is, yes, you should talk about these things. Yes, you must talk about these things. Yes, there are answers for these things. Yes, God will be glorified through these things. How? Welcome to Romans 14.1 through Romans 15.7. 10% of Romans. These are some of the most consequential verses. And if you'll stick with us here, you will see the beauty of how to make the church more beautiful. Do you know as a Christian person, you don't have to vote a certain way? Do you know as a Christian person, you don't have to eat a certain food? Do you know as a Christian person, listen to this, you dare not sit in judgment on someone who has a tattoo and calls himself a Christian? And you who have a tattoo as a Christian dare not sit in condemnation on those who don't have tattoos and call themselves a Christian. This is a beautiful text. And if we get this right, my goodness, we're running on high-octane fuel. Step one. What's the first step in landing these differences of moral preference? I'm not talking sin issues. I'm not talking, so I decided regular access okay. I'm going to preach a little tipsy today. That's not okay. That's sin. I'm not talking about having an affair. I prayed about it. I feel that the Lord has called me to leave my wife and go with this woman. No, I'm not talking about these. these are, those are sin issues, black and white. I'm talking ham and cheese stuff. I'm talking moral preferences. I'm talking about conscience issues where we as believers disagree. And the first thing you need to understand, look at verse 3. The end of verse 3, it says, For God has welcomed him. Look at verse 1. It says, You welcome him. Welcome who? People with different landing spots on moral preferences. So someone over here loves them some Joe Biden. Someone over here loves them some Donald Trump. Listen to me. If you have both understood Romans 1 and 11 and trusted in Jesus Christ and been born anew, understand you may disagree with that person's preference, but God has welcomed that person. And God says, if you're saved, you best be welcoming them too. You hear me there? There is no division in the body. How did you come to be saved, O oh, supporter of Trump? 
How did you come to be saved, O supporter of Biden? By grace through faith, it's the ultimate humbler. And the Lord says, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because personal bias is bad for your spiritual health. God has welcomed, so we must what? Welcome. Mm, trying to think how deep I want to go in. All right. Verse 4. Why do people upset you who differ and disagree with you on moral preferences? Benjamin, you're going to fall down the slope. You're going to lose your salvation. Ah, you can't lose your salvation, can you? Not talking about moral sin. I'm talking about moral preferences. In any area, you can't lose your salvation. But listen to me. There are weak brothers and sisters and strong brothers and sisters. It's not talking about maturity. It's talking about conscience on a particular issue. And all of us are weak on some areas and strong in other areas. And my job isn't to make sure that you don't lose your faith. And your job isn't to make sure that I don't lose my faith. The Lord's job is to persevere his saints to the end. And I want you to chew on that for a minute. It is not by the strength of your convictions or the, the immensity of your faith that you are saved. It is by grace alone, through the faith entrusted to you by the Lord alone, who will sustain you to the end. Do you see that? Now, I'm not saying don't talk about this. It doesn't matter what I say. Scripture is not saying, don't talk about this. And I'm not saying that we treat moral sin the same way. If someone's drifting, we have a responsibility to call them back home. But when someone disagrees with us on a moral preference, you don't have to call them back home yet because they ain't necessarily left home. Do you see what I'm saying there? Just because you, you got yourself a, a, I don't know, you, you got Santa on Christmas ain't the same as you're sleeping with your neighbor and coveting his donkey. Amen? So here's the focus for today. Look at verse 5. I think we're in verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another. Another esteems all days alike. A.K.A. One person likes Joe Biden. Another person likes Donald Trump. I'm just putting it in context. You with me? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Listen to me. Be hard on yourself and gentle on others. Rather than worrying about why I celebrate or don't celebrate Halloween, why don't you worry about why you still or don't celebrate Halloween? How did you land your plane before you helped me land mine? Why do you do what you do? Should a Christian drink alcohol? Let me ask it this way. Do you drink alcohol? Why or why not? Well, because it tastes good. Wrong answer. Well, because you're not supposed to. Wrong answer. What's the right answer? It says right there in the text. For the glory of God. Should a Christian watch a movie with nudity or profanity? Anybody ever watch one of those? Why are your hands not going up, but you watch them at home all the time? Someone says, no, if I watch one of those movies, my eyes will be burned and I'll go to hell. Wrong answer. Someone says, I'm free in Christ to do whatever I want, so I watch those movies. Wrong answer. 
can you watch those movies for the glory of God? I don't know. But this says, you got to answer that question. Should a Christian play the lottery, go to a casino, or get a tattoo? I don't know. Can you do it for the glory of God? Should a Christian identify with a political party? If so, which one? I ain't an idiot. I know we live in Chester Springs, and I know how this splits percentage-wise, and some of you inside are stewing going, Pastor, don't you touch that rail. <laughs> Listen to me. If that irritates you, why? Do you think God is being glorified fully by a particular political party? Land the plane. And how do you land the plane? Here's general rule application for today. If conscience, right? Let everyone do, each should be fully convinced in his own mind. Anyone have a conscience? You know Jiminy Cricket? That's not the conscience. The conscience prompts and gives checks. And the general rule for the believer, and I'm only talking to believers in this text today. This is not general rules for all people. Okay, we're post-Romans 11 here. We're talking to a believer. If you are not sure what you are doing is pleasing to God, don't do it. If you are not sure what you are doing is pleasing to God, don't do it. Why does this matter? Because your conscience has to constantly be calibrated. And if you get that prompt and you don't respond to it, you begin to harden your conscience to the point you can sear your conscience. First Timothy, right? Men, we were in there, I think, chapter 3, 4. We need to be responsive to our conscience, understanding that it's always poorly calibrated, and there's the definition of weak and strong. A person who, has a, who is strong in this text has a conscience accurately calibrated to Scripture. Can Benjamin eat ham and cheese? You ever read Acts 10? You ever read Galatians 2? It's pretty darn clear you can eat ham and cheese in Christ. There is no ceremonial law. Christ fulfilled it. Kosher be gone. Jewish people eat ham and cheese, and, and I am the first and foremost to take advantage of that. Okay? But not all people have a strong enough conscience to eat ham and cheese, especially Jewish believers in Christ. Because you spent all these years, you couldn't eat ham and cheese, and you can't do it with a clear conscience. Romans 14, I think it's 22 and 23, same chapter. Whatever you cannot do from a clear conscience is sin if you do it. It doesn't say it exactly like that, but look at it. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because the eating is not from what? Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Rather than worrying about how other people land their convictions on moral preferences, we must be harder on ourselves and ask, why do I do this? Is it for the glory of God? Now that's a game changer, isn't it? You want to have a Santa discussion? You want to have a Halloween discussion? You want to have a how a Christian treats Sunday discussion? You want to have a tattoo discussion? You want to have a lottery discussion? Here's the thing, though. We need to discuss. We're building up to how to discuss, but the first set of rules you got to get is don't worry about what the other person's doing on an issue of moral preference. Be very gentle on them because notice, one is strong, one is weak. The ham and cheese eater is strong. The ham and cheese abstainer is weak. But look closely at the text. Which one glorifies God? Mm. They both glorify God. 
You, you can have a tattoo and glorify God. You cannot have a tattoo and glorify God. You see that? You say, Pastor, I know the Bible says you can't have tattoos. Does it? It does. In Leviticus. But put it in the context and you find it's a ceremonial law. Now, here's another issue. You have a tattoo and go try to share the gospel with my dad. He won't give you the light of day. You might want to think about why you're getting that tattoo. Is it for what? The glory of God? Or is it because you want to and say, well, I'm free in Christ to do what I want. Do you see we're going to build to this? But what I'm saying is, don't look at me with a tattoo. Now you're wondering, does pastor have a tattoo? Pastor ain't got a tattoo. I'm scared of needles. But don't be looking at me with a tattoo, assuming I had one, condemning me or judging me is what Paul says. Look to yourself and land your own conscience. Now there's a conversation to be had. But before you can help me work through calibrating my conscience to accurately land it with Scripture so I can do all things for the glory of God, make sure you've landed yours well. Amen? And it's a whole different conversation. And you can have a body of believers of a variety of ethnicities, of a variety of educational backgrounds, of a variety of political persuasions, of a variety of cultures who all share a unity and identity in Christ, even though they don't all look alike and think alike. Amen? Wait till you get up top. Wait, wait till you see all the nations gathered together. Wait till you see how different people look. Wait till you see that Jesus wasn't born in America and don't look like the majority culture here. Wait till you see that music doesn't sound like what you think music should sound like. Wait till you see how different it is. And that's Paul's point. Before we dig deep into these issues of moral preference like ham and cheese or no ham and cheese or what holy day you should be celebrating or not celebrating, slow down. Remember who you're dealing with. Who's, who are we dealing with here in these differences? Benjamin and Nehemiah. They're both saved. He's saying, dude, listen, you may eat ham and cheese. He may not eat ham and cheese. But remember, God welcomed him. And you better welcome him too. You see that? He may still celebrate the Jewish holy days. You may not celebrate the Jewish holy days knowing that you're free in Christ to not celebrate the Jewish holy days. But God welcomed him. And you better too. In fact, you both better check yourself and ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for the glory of God or something else? Because if it's not for the glory of God, you better not be doing it. How do you calibrate your conscience? Listen to me. Become a student of the word of God. Don't live on I think. Live on God says. Walk in fellowship with one another. Ask questions. Let's do something like this. Hey, Ricky, I'm thinking of getting a tattoo. What do you think about that? Now, Ricky would not say, you can't get a tattoo, Pastor, you'll go to hell. You might not even be saved if you get a tattoo. What are you thinking? No, if he's landed it well, he might say, Pastor, I, I would have some cautions for you, especially as a pastor about getting a tattoo. Let's talk about it. Let's go to Scripture. Let's dig into it. And he shows me how he landed his conscience. Or maybe Ricky's got tattoos, and he says, Pastor, have at it. Let me tell you why. Now, see, Ricky is going to be looking at you funny. Ricky, yeah? Ricky, yes. Joshua 1.6, right? You're afraid of needles, too? Holy people, afraid of needles. This is strong. But they're conversations that can only be had when you're in an established relationship 
committed to one another in Christ. Listen, we can talk politics because God's welcomed us and God's word speaks to politics. And listen to me, if we don't speak, we make a mess and we, we split into factions, not only within the church, but into churches themselves with people who look like us and agree with us. Why do you think the most segregated place on any Sunday still to this day is a church? And I praise God for the diversity he's brought into our church. Look around. Do you know how different this group is? We got the most eclectic hodgepodge of recovering sin addicts I could ever imagine. And I praise God for it because if it weren't for Christ, we don't have a whole lot in common. We, we got educational diversity and income diversity and ethnic diversity. We got great grandmas and we got newborn babies a little bit past newborn and everything in between. But our commonality is in Christ. And here's the thing. As we live life alongside one another, you will find abrasion. And here's what Paul's saying. The devil would love to take that abrasion and tear this whole thing apart. He wants you to go somewhere else where everybody affirms you and accepts you on all of your moral preferences and you never deal with the serious issues of the heart. Do you hear that? And the heart is the key. Listen to me. Look at how this... This verse ends. This section ends. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Here's, you know what that's saying? Only God can judge the heart. And on moral preferences, I'm not talking sin issues. I'm talking moral preferences. Don't you go judging somebody else's heart. That's God's business. You examine your own heart before the Lord and you ask, am I doing this for the glory of God based on the word of God? Do you see what I'm saying there? We live in a culture with compartmentalized Christianity. Buffet Christianity. You know what it's like? I'm going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, skip that, give me this, and we'll do it Sundays and Wednesdays. You know what that's called? Wasting your time, you're going to hell. Jesus came to take the whole shoot and match. Being born anew, being saved is about being commissioned, in, being conscripted into the Lord's army for the Lord's glory. To serve the Lord faithfully according to his word. Amen? Amen. And as you do, he makes you look more like Jesus day by day by day. Everything we do should be done for the glory of God. Start here. Why do you do what you do? You want to share with the cloud? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can mess with Renee. She's a front row Christian. I don't know that. We have weak and strong. Mature and immature, front row and the rest of you. I don't know what that means, the last one means, but. Do you guys understand, this, you okay? Oh, yeah. the, se- the, se- the severity of what we're dealing with and how important it is. The world says, do what you do, it doesn't really matter. Christianity says, false Christianity, do what you do, it doesn't matter because you're free in Christ. Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. What sort of Freedom. Freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the penalty of hell, freedom from the persuasion of the evil one, but freedom to serve God, love God, worship God, and love one another. How do you do that? 
In this context, you land your convictions. So if you, I want to challenge you, take some time this week. Don't just go with the flow. You know, your mom has told you when you were growing up, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you jump? Right? And 90% of you would jump. And then there are a couple of us that are afraid of needles that would never jump because it might hurt. But listen to me, we're all jumping off the bridge too often if we don't stop and let our conscience check us and walk according to the word of God and start answering some of these questions. You think these are inconsequential questions? Should a Christian drink alcohol? You have an answer. I know you have an answer to that question because you're living past the age of 21. And the answer isn't where I came to faith position from. Why would you waste your money on stuff that's just going to pass through your body in two, two hours? That's not a biblical premise. But do you or don't you drink for the glory of God? Halloween's coming up. What do you do with Halloween? Huh? Listen, I'm not talking about a sin issue. I'm talking about moral preference issue. But are you doing what you're doing for the glory of God? It's an election coming up. You voting? Who are you voting for? How'd you decide? It's because you like it, because you want the agenda, because you're mad, or for the glory of God? Lottery, $600 billion. I don't know what the heck the lottery's at. Should you play it? Why are you playing it? You want to get rich? You might want to check yourself. Is it for the glory of God? And here's the thing, church, family, let's talk. That's what the church is called to do. Discuss and talk. Otherwise, you know what you do? You're over here drunk with the lottery winning, going crazy on your hand, getting 15 million tattoos, eating ham and cheese. (laughs) Or you're over here, sober as can be, never playing the lottery, no tattoos whatsoever, not a body piercing in sight, condemning those folks over there. And Jesus don't want either of those folks. He wants us to do all that we do for the glory of God, for his name's sake. And listen, you know how serious this is? There's a lost world watching and they're going to hell apart from Christ. And do you know what they see in the church too often? A charade and a debacle. They see compartmentalized Christianity and buffet-style Jesus. And I praise God that we ain't fully immersed in that, but we are always in danger of falling there. You could be here today for the wrong reasons. But that's not a moral preference issue. That's a Hebrews 10 issue. We'll get into that in the coming weeks. But my friends, look around. I'm being serious. Look around this room for a minute. And do stick your hands up here. Has anyone here understood the beauty of the gospel as seen in Romans 1 through 11? Has anyone here understood that on their own they can do nothing pleasing to God? That it is only through Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled to God as his perfect life is applied to us and our imperfect life is applied to him and he takes that wrath upon himself? Has anyone understood that in Christ and through faith in Christ we're a new creation? We're born anew with a new heart, with a desire to serve God and glorify God and love God and love others. Anyone here ever heard and understood that? Because if you have, listen to me, you and I will differ on many issues when it comes to moral preferences. But God says his glory is put on display as his people walk in unity together, even with differing convictions of conscience. And the gospel is made magnificent because the world sees and we see that God welcomes weak conscience and strong conscience people. Amen? 
Now, strong is better than weak. That's the point Paul is making. And our goal for one another should be to invite one another to the fullness of freedom in Christ. So if you're not eating ham and cheese, I don't want you to stay like that forever. But I don't want to convince you to do it. I want the Holy Spirit to convict you to the freedom you have to do it. Amen? Mm, I'm not going to do it. We'll be here for another hour. I told you this goes through 15-7, right? Yep. All right, we're, we're a tenth of the way. Anyone want to take a bathroom break? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Someone's going, to really? I'm not being serious here. My friends, take some time over this coming week and think about why you're doing what you're doing. First, think about Romans 1 through 11. Do you understand who Christ is, who you are in Christ and why and what it means? 12 and 13 talk about moral purity according to the law, right? Relationships and attire. Remember two weeks ago, put on Christ, put on the armor of light. And now we're getting into an issue of moral preferences, I want you to think about this coming week, why you do what you do. I want you to, you know, one of the reasons we have real conversations, you know what conversations come up so often? Moral preference conversations, right? We, we, we've had the yoga and the hypnotism conversation. We, we have had a tattoo conversation. We have had political conversations. But it's a conversation had amongst brothers and sisters where we can invite other people into the conversation who don't know Christ to see how the family of God acts for the glory of God. But it also helps us land our conscience and our convictions well, because you can sin with a clear conscience. Listen, I've done some, some marital counseling over the years, and I can't tell you the number of people I talk to. Yeah, my girlfriend and I, we're living together and sleeping together, but we're getting married. Totally clear conscience. How you do that? Sear it up real good. So don't just go by your conscience. Calibrate your conscience. But we need one another to calibrate our consciences. But land your own plane before you try to land somebody else's. Amen? As for the one who is weak in faith, as for the one who can't eat him some ham and cheese, condemn him and tell him to get out. Did I not read that right? Oh, no, I didn't. Welcome him, but not to quarrel. You all know you like that quarreling part. Politics comes up like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome him, not to quarrel. One person believes they can eat the ham and cheese. The weak person, they're only eating vegetables. What a sad life, right? <laughs> what a sad life. You could have ham and cheese and you're eating vegetables. No, because they're both glorifying God. <laughs> Let not the ham and cheese eater despise the vegetarian. And let not the vegetarian pass judgment on the ham and cheese eater, because God has welcomed them both. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. I love this. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Same reason you'll be able to persevere. One person esteems one day is better than another. Another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes one day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. Folks, this is the most magnificent text. Let all that you do be done for the glory of God. Let all that you do be done for the glory of God. And then let all that you do be done for the glory of God. No matter what you do, from coming to church to, to cleaning your toilets once a week, 
You know that? You can clean your toilet for the glory of God, or you can clean your toilet grumbling and complaining. Some people may have a con. Well, I'm just going to keep going. Okay. We'll keep going here. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, who are we? Look at those four words. Who are we? We are the Lord's. Romans 1 through 11. We are the Lord's. How did you become the Lord's? The gospel. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of the living and the dead. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess to God. Each of us will give an account. Of who? I got to give an account for rich, it says, right? Each of us will give an account of himself. So my friends, we're going to go through four sections between here and Romans 15, 7. The first one, they're all going to deal with unity in the body over differences on moral preferences. But what I want you to land today is if you are in Christ and you have a disagreement, understand this, welcome one another. It's not an option. Welcome one another. Land your own conviction. Be hard on yourself and gentle on the other. Understand God will cause us to persevere to the end. And it's not your place to judge someone's heart on an issue of moral preference. That's the Lord's business. Why do you do what you do? Those questions, they're recorded, I think, now. You might want to think them through. They're serious questions. They're gospel questions. The devil loves an opportunity to jump into those questions. And if you're not doing them, listen to this and we'll end here. If your answer to any of those questions is anything other than for the glory of God, you are sinning in that action and that does not end well. And that's why we're not done at Romans 14, 12. Because the goal is unity in Christ for the glory of God collectively. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the fact that you give us direction in how to live for your glory and how to know you and how to serve you and how to grow in Christ. Lord, may we steward these lives well for your glory. Holy Spirit, would you give us wisdom to know and to do your will? Strength to love you and to love one another and bring about a unity amongst us in the gospel that the world would look at and by our love for one another know that we are saved, who has saved us, and we might proclaim to them how they too can be saved. Lord Jesus, help us remember who we were, who we are, and what we one day will become. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to love you because you first loved us. And help us to remember the incredible love you have for us, which you showed us in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.